following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Hear the music, you know the show. You're listening to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. And and what matters to me today? Well, you know, it's one of those days where I think sometimes we just take it for granted. So uh, I'm gonna say what uh, what matters to me is uh, is the fact that I'm alive and well, breathing, healthy. And uh, glad to have an opportunity to speak with many of you all over the world. So uh, that's something to not take for granted as we do on a daily basis. I believe many of us do. Uh, So I'm going to say that is what uh, I am so excited about, uh, the ability to be in the studios today. And that's what matters to me. Life matters to me. And sometimes uh, life is uh, taken for granted. We know right now it's a, a couple stories in the news about life that has been taken for granted by some people. Uh, Zimmerman trial and of course uh, Hernandez is is something where some some innocent lives have been taken and I certainly value mine and I value those that have uh, been lost uh, in those two uh, incidents in those cases and and I say that because uh, one of those uh, incidents which we talk about is uh, is related to an athlete and for some reason or another I just don't know why it is that when something happens in the media and it relates to an athlete, uh, the industry and everybody who is participating in that industry becomes a part of the blame. Uh, it doesn't happen that way with all other industries, but for some reason or another, the NFL is now labeled as murderers. And uh, so uh, there's something wrong with the NFL, and you've got to change the NFL. Well, I'm in the studio today with somebody who, who also believes that uh, there can be uh, some positive change to Another sport, uh, but it's in the sports industry, and uh, that is basketball. And I got in the studio today with me, uh, Mark Armstrong. And Mark, of course, has visited us before. Mark is uh, from Basketball, the remix. And, hey, Mark, I'm going to welcome you to the studios again today, man. Uh, how you feeling, man? You're looking good. Young brother, look like he's still ready to you know, throw it down a couple of times. But I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> how the knees feel, Mark? <laughs> the knees are not uh, ready to run the court. <laughs> I done put my years in on the my knees, my hamstrings, my back. But like you, I'm I'm happy to be here. Glad to be alive, and um, you know, glad to have purpose and passion, and to be pursuing it, and the opportunity to uh, be a guest on your show to uh, share my passion. Well, Mark, I'm glad you came today, man. And, and as I said when I let off the show, you know, there uh, there seems to 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 be. Uh, you know, the things in the community that uh, sometimes the community takes a hit, sometimes the industry takes a hit. And it appears that athletes, although not 
necessarily something that they ask for, not always something that they embrace, that they're forced to carry this, um, if you will, this banner of, of role model. And many times athletes need role models themselves. That's something I've said many times. Gary Maddox told me that once. And, and, and I will say this, that, you know, just because a person gets a check doesn't necessarily make that person a role model. But that seems to be uh, the case uh, as a lot of people look at athletes because you make so much money. They say you're in, you're in the face of uh, so many children in, in, a, in a position of influence that you should carry that banner. Uh, but there are a lot of people in the communities, Mark, that, that don't know how to be role models. Let me ask you something. You grew up um, a basketball player, very successful basketball player, successful athlete. When it came to your responsibility of being an athlete and being a role model, uh, did anybody ever share with you exactly what the definition of that was? What the expectations were for you as you carried this banner of role model? Um, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is that old Charles Barkley video, a commercial, <clears throat> where he says, uh, you know, I'm not a role model. I believe he goes on to say that parents are. I, I didn't grow up with the concept of role model. Um you know, I grew up the concept of living the way my mother raised me. And I think that's the banner I carried for uh, even today. Uh, ultimately, it comes down to um, the foundation was laid by my mother. Um, and then from that point on, that carried me to the point where uh, I experienced success, assumed responsibility, um, and at that point started to have a better understanding how what I did and how I did um, influenced other people. And, and Mark, I, I think that's a great answer. And, and I, that's, I didn't know what your answer was going to be, but one reason why I wanted to address that issue from the beginning is because, again, it's, it's a story in the media today. An athlete that we all know, Hernandez, has is, is, um, been accused um, of, of taking uh, an innocent person's life. But when you talked about the fact that, that, that your mother was there, and I think these are the kinds of people that are in our lives that can influence our lives. They have, they're more impressionable in our lives because they spend more time with us. And it's not necessarily those people that you don't spend time with. And I think if they would stop and ask more athletes like yourself about their definition of a role model, they would find out that many of us, didn't look at athletes as our role models. What we looked at the athlete for was an understanding of how perhaps maybe to play the game the way they played the game. We didn't look at them as role models. At least I didn't. I did what you did. I turned to my mother. But I, I don't think they've ever asked an athlete, hey, you know, you're asked to be this thing that's called this role model. But, you know, how would you suggest to those who come behind you you know, how would you suggest they go about being a role model? And I think if they did, then they would find out from you and from people like me that we would say to them, hey, get it from your parents in terms of, you know, your personal development as a human being. But the athletic gift that you're looking for, you might want to look to the athlete for that. But the other things, the qualities in life that we would hope th that would be instilled in you, you would get those from your parents. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you get from your parents or that parent figure. I mean, we got to think about the population we're talking about. You know, uh, when we talk about professional athletes as in the several sports, they're, uh, they're, 
there's a over 50 percent are African Americans. And if you look at what takes place in, in those communities, there's a large portion of them that don't have um, functioning households, two parents, et cetera. Uh, but there are parent figures. Um, uh, and I think this also just might be a, a case of, hey, we still got problems in our communities that need to be addressed um, because um, I grew up in a single-parent home, but I had parent figures who had took a sincere interest in me and my success, and I think that that, that rubbed off. But the other thing I would have to say is this, Ray, because whenever um, I deal with situations with, with life, I try to water it down to you know principles. I have a source that I go for my principles. And the bottom line is you can't avoid this. Too much is given, much is required. And I think one thing that all athletes need to understand, if you choose to aspire to be uh, in the spotlight, you choose to aspire for fame, you choose to aspire for accomplishment, there's a responsibility that comes with it if you like it or not. And um, so I'm sure there needs to be some dialogue and just helping um, athletes understand that. And I think if they had a better understanding of that, there'd be less chances for them to trip up their way to do. Because some of the stuff people are doing is just don't make any sense. Yeah, but I like the fact you, you use that word community. And, that, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted you here today, Mark, is, is, is I think that based upon the information I've read from the information you sent to me, uh, prior to us doing this show, uh, the conversations that we've had, I believe that, that you believe perhaps maybe uh, the community has a responsibility. And, and so I think you are, or your purpose is to, is to provide an opportunity for the communities to, to be able to change some of these things that are happening in society because I, I, it's not a basketball thing. It's not a football thing. I think it's more the community because if you look in the prisons, there's more people who don't play sports in those prisons than that do play sports in those prisons. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and, and what I view it is, is I believe there is a symbiotic, there's this uh, ecology between the athletes and the communities. And I think when, or sports in general, and the communities. And I think when that relationship is healthy, there's a win-win. I think that sports play a, pl- a platform to build um, character, to build mental toughness, emotional toughness, um, spiritual development, as well as um, interpersonal skills that are critical for being successful in life. Um, and simultaneously, I think that um, communities um, can provide a platform uh, for sports to be used as a vehicle to keep kids occupied and to open them up that you can pour good things into them that at the end of the day when athletes go on and the next generation of athletes come about that those previous athletes uh, are orientated to go back to their communities and start the process all over again. Interesting enough, Mark, you, you and I have had a little bit of dialogue about that that sports ecology and, and from my perspective – you know, I look at that, and I think there's there's components within that ecology, particularly when it comes to the personal development of the athlete, that it goes unattended for. Mm-hmm. And and so because of the fact there's so much negligence on that side of it because they're more interested in the development of the athletic side of it, we find ourselves in a situation where we get more of the Hernandez situations. Mm. And one is more than enough that we have to deal with you know, talk about that a little bit in terms of the ecology of the, of sports as a whole and, and the resources that is used towards the development of the athletic side and that which is neglected on the personal development side. 
Uh, you know, absolutely. You know, um, as you know, I, I authored an e-book called Change the Game, Change Communities, which is my thesis on basketball, the remix being a new sport uh, with a new business model with a social mission, which is to uh, develop business models that better benefit the communities that they serve and um, redistribute some of that wealth that's tied up at the top uh, back into the communities. You know, case in point, uh, the purpose of basketball, it was invented to keep young people occupied and to impact lives. That's what Dr. J. Smith, what Naismith was all about. Um, we've seen this uh, manifest in, in, in streetball in certain ways. Holcomb Rucker, right now is summer basketball season. You have the Pro-Am. Holcomb Rucker invented the Pro-Am. And he invented it because through his work, each one teach one with youth, he leveraged basketball as a platform to get kids educated, committed to the education um, while using basketball as a tool to keep them active and engaged. Uh, he ultimately ended up sending over 700 kids to some form of higher education through a little street basketball community program. Um, when you look at basketball today, and excuse you, me, you said little man. That's one of the greatest programs in the world up there at the Rucker League. But a, go ahead. A, absolutely, yes. Um, which is now duplicated throughout. You have the you have the the, the King Drew League. You have you have the Rutgers. You have uh, leagues and programs all all across the United States taking place right now. That this man Hokum Rucker helped uh, launch. Uh, but when you look at basketball today, you're absolutely right. Uh, very little is going into building the person, and everything's really going into building the athlete. And 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 that that's the part where, as I think, I want to dig a little deeper because I think when you talk about change the game, change the community, I think that's what you're teetering on because I heard you talk a little bit about that social mission. So we're going to take a break. You hear the music. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in the studios here with my friend Mark Armstrong from Basketball, the Remix, and we'll be right back. to the pros we, we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports so andy serling packed his bags left the city and is enjoying his temporary digs in saratoga but that won't stop us from bringing you playing to win the best online handicapping show for serious horse players catch andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of august on location from the beautiful saratoga race course he and his guests are some of the best in the biz they bring you new insights to making money and they tell it like it is i'm three five one in this race but the three is very much the one to be we're going to completely disagree on this race i absolutely disagree especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine-horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. 
The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. know the show you listen to rail the sports on the voice america network i'm in phoenix living like it matters i got my good friend in here with me mark armstrong basketball the remix uh mark an outstanding basketball player himself uh from one of those famous universities out there in california that i've always loved the program at loyal marymount i never say it properly but i do the best i can i think so you got it a that tongue time, twister okay <laughs> well uh you know and, and you know here's the thing about that i love when i'm in the studio with mark you know mark is i i, I listen i like to give props where props are deserved intelligent young man you know but 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 is using his t- intelligence in his business acting to to give back to the community and and and, and our our community is on trial now you know and and, and, and I mean our sports community because we know there's good sports is a good thing sports yes. is not a negative thing at all it's Mark. a necessity it is it's a necessity you know and one thing about it is I mean, for your health and wellness, if nothing else, I mean, very seldom when you look at basketball, do you ever see any unhealthy people running up and down the basketball <laughs> court? You know, so there is something that and then not only that, it, it, it builds for uh, unity amongst you know, those participants. You, 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 if you don't play as a team, you're not going to win. And so it, there's so many intangibles that come along with it. But, the, have, but have you ever have you ever worked for a poor leader? Never, never. You can't lead. You, you it just you cannot do that. And and I'm glad you brought that up because here's here's what I want to do. And and I'm gonna switch a little bit because one thing that I, I want to talk about and I, and I hate to use Hernandez as an example, but but right now I just feel that and it's not football, it's sports. Because sports is being attacked. And, 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 and Mark, before we, we went to the break, you know, we, we started talking a little bit about, you know, the, the community, which is really something I want to make sure that we, we get back to talking about this community. Because that, I think that's one way. And that, I think that's, if I'm not mistaken, it, it may be the tagline you use there, if you, you know, change the game, change the community. But people are going to be concerned about going into the community and changing the game. When you go into the community and you change the game, is the community welcome to change in the game of basketball? And if they are, what, what is your solution to change? Uh, as you say, change the game, change the community. What, 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 what are you talking about there? Well, well, what I'm talking about there is basketball doesn't belong to anybody. There's an illusion that there's an illusion out there because people don't know what they don't know. And change the game, change communities is, is my thesis on basketball and remix being a new sport. And through introducing a new sport with a new business model, then we can change the communities. Um, by changing the game of basketball, what we've done is really the modern interpretation of the original game. We took the backboard off the game, off the ba- we took the backboard off, 
We've introduced 20 innovations that make the game a faster, more fluid game, closer to Dr. Na- J- James Naismith's original intent. Basketball is supposed to be played, not coach. Basketball should be reflective of soccer, hockey, lacrosse, rugby, a fluid game with no timeouts, no in-game coaching. So when you introduce something like this and it's accepted by the masses, now you create a new market. And when you create a new market, you create new revenue streams. And if you have business models that are set up to better distribute that revenue stream back into the communities through facilities and programs that are slowly being taken out of the community through the the cutting governments, the cutting to nonprofits, when you can introduce um, a a for-profit organization with a social mission that can go in these communities, build facilities, um, occupy the youth, um, sow in them the life skills that they need, provide health services to those in the community that they need, now that sport can have a positive impact on that community. And that's our vision. Our vision is to introduce a, a new game of basketball that is closer to James Naismith's original intent, a more challenging, faster game of basketball, leverage that market to go back into the communities and build institutions that have a positive impact. The easiest way to put it like this, imagine if the Phoenix Suns owned all of the boys and girls clubs in Phoenix and they took 30% of their revenues instead of it being stuck at the ownership level, and they poured it back into the communities to support those boys and girls clubs with services and programs, and it was consistent with that year in, year out. We grew up in an age where we had access to programs like that. It made a significant difference in our lives. Those programs are no longer really available. So the easiest way is to look at that. It's a combination of the closed system, league system we have here, and the club system they have in Europe that provides complete vertical support all the way from the grassroots to the professional level. Well, you know, it's interesting, Mark. When, when, you, when you talk about, when I hear you talk about a redistribution of wealth, mm-hmm. th- th- I, I think that's where perhaps maybe where the rubber meets the road. Absolutely. Because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I'm one of those individuals for my purchases. This is the rail of sports, by the way, in case anybody mm-hmm. didn't know. So I can have an opinion on this. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times these are just my personal opinions. That's why I like when I'm sitting here with another individual that has an opinion that he could change the communities if he changes the game. But it's going to take some redistribution of wealth. Now, there are systems out here. In my personal opinion, there are very few industries where your, let's say your labor force is developed at no cost to you. (laughs) Except professional sports. Mm -hmm. If you look at professional sports... Very few of these professional sports teams in the, in, in the United States of America, the big four, mm-hmm. is the game much different at the peewee league than it is at the professional league, mm-hmm. which means you've got a, a labor force that's been trained for you at a very young age at no cost to you. Now, that, my understanding, in the medical profession, that doesn't happen. In, in, in IT, you know, that doesn't happen. In education, that doesn't happen because you're taking different courses at a younger age than you have to have once you become, you know, specific into where your career path is going to go. Mm-hmm. Football, Pop Warner, that field is still... 100 yards, mm-hmm. it's 53 and a half yards wide. Mm-hmm. Basketball, Pop Warner, the goal is still 10 feet high, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And, and so my thing to you, a redistribution of wealth, they're not even willing to invest that much money in their in their youth now. How do you think 
leagues will feel when they find out that there's a new business model out here that's maybe taking a little bit of, of the wealth from them? Will they support or you think they'll be against your goals of changing your communities by changing the game with your business model? I like it. Uh, a gentleman at Reebok told me, you got a great idea, man. <laughs> I think this can fly. But you're, you're, stirring, you're messing with the apple cart. There's a lot of people eating off the way things are right now. And in so many different ways, Ray, I have uh, experienced that. I realize I'm John the Baptist. I'm a voice in the wilderness in this season. But a day will come when this will fully manifest and it will be a force to reckon it. Maybe it's a niche sport and the, back, the basketball stays the way it is. But I think when people understand the truth about it, the game of basketball is a perversion of what the original intent is. I can walk you through the history and the evolution to demonstrate that the way basketball is supposed to be played and more exciting, more entertaining, more challenging version is not the way the game is to be played. Now, if that message can get communicated and get accepted, then I think we have a great shot really to disrupt things. Well, let me ask you, do, you, do, you, do, do, do they really need to embrace that or can they just embrace the fact that you're game? Because the USFL, when I think about the USFL, I'm not sure they really cared much about if the NFL liked the fact that they were going to tweak their game a little bit and have their own version of football. I, I agree with that. You know, is it, so, is it, so is it possible? I mean, do you really care? Because from the man I know, I don't think he cared much about what somebody has to say. You just know what you know in terms of your business model You've done your research. Mm -hmm. There's been some uh, some examples of an alteration to the NBA game that mm -hmm. people have embraced in the mm -hmm. past. I don't know if you want to mm -hmm. talk about some of those. I, mm -hmm. I know it was uh, uh, and one or, or some of those, you know mm -hmm. some of those things were somewhat of a diversion mm -hmm. in terms of what people see in terms of the structured NBA, mm -hmm. but. I mean, let's let's think about it, Mark. Back in the day, where they had the four corners and all that. Listen, mm -hmm. people didn't like that kind of basketball. People no. want people want excitement. I mean, when you talk about football, even you know, I've heard the my wife and a few other up. people say to me, you know, why is it that the last two minutes of the game you see all this action, but the rest of the game, you know, it's like, there's no timeouts. Like you say, there's mm -hmm. no timeouts most of the time. You know, you're getting up, hurrying up to the line, doing things real fast. People like the excitement. But one thing I really like what I hear. Is, and it kind of takes me back, and again, it's not being real radical. It's just a fact that you're talking about bringing some business opportunities back to communities that lost, you know, like let, let, let's, let's, let's think about the Negro Baseball League. When, when the Negro Baseball League went away, the players may have got jobs, but ownership was lost. Ownership was lost. The uh, this. The symbiotic, the ecology amongst the communities was lost. That extra revenue, that extra sense of pride in the communities was lost. Uh, those role models that you can touch. That's why streetball is so huge because it's a form where Kevin Durant can go play against Bobby that could never afford a ticket at the NBA at, at an arena, and he can see him in person, he can touch him. And now that can be not his role model, but it can be his hero. Mm. Don't have to be his role model, but it can be something to aspire toward, and it's real and it's tangible. You know, one of my mentors said, you know, exposure brings expansion. That which you get exposed to helps you grow. Um, you I know, like that. That's true too, Mark. I, I like that. Uh, but uh, – one, I don't really care <laughs> what, I, I, what, I said what that. I said that. <laughs> I don't really care what anybody else thinks is with regards to the, the major leagues industry. And two, my focus right now, Ray, is really targeting the recreational, the competitive recreational basketball player. 
You know, as there's two things we talked about recently. One, Nike as a company does more revenue than the NBA and the NFL combined. Mm-hmm. The, the second thing is that prior to the – we saw – you mentioned the Negro Leagues. We saw it with the NBA. Um, 1949 is a, a, a year changer. To me, in basketball, that's like AD and BC because in 1949, three things happened. The first thing was the BBA, the BAA, and the NBL formed the NBA. Okay. The second thing happened was that um, Abe uh, Serpentine, um, I'm going to pronounce his name correctly, the owner of the Harlem Globetrotters, bought the Harlem Rents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the third thing that happened was the introduction of timeouts and in-game coaching. Those three things represented the death of Negro black basketball as we know it and the migration of all the talent from the several black-owned franchises in that era into the NBA. We're going to have to take a break, but we're going to continue to talk about that. 1949, I guess that was a great year. We're going to have to look at that a little bit closer and find out the death of black basketball. we got to think about that. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. Mark Armstrong, basketball, the remix. We'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spies are especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine-horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum, or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. You may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. It matters. I got my man Mark Armstrong in the studio with me. Basketball, the remix. And I told you my man is smart. Mark corrected me. Is the death of 
black pro basketball and and not black basketball because I'm gonna tell you what man you know speaking of black basketball uh, I remember watching a piece uh, recently on Dr. J mm-hmm. and and you know his days in the NBA and the mm-hmm. NBA because they had a lot of black players and and they played the game a little differently you know just bought a style to the NBA that did not exist a lot of slow down you know wasn't a lot of dunking you know uh, a lot of set shots and uh, you know and so listen. We are who we who they say we were, <laughs> and we do what they say we do. And, and Doc had the big old fro that we, you know, blow in the wind when he would dunk. But we certainly appreciate the fact that uh, basketball has been integrated, and that the best basketball players in the world get a chance to play this game. But but Mark, I, I like the fact that again, uh, we're going to stay uh, in that lane uh, of that you you would like to change some things to create some opportunities. And to get back some of the things of which was lost in the community. And some of those are a sense of pride and, and, and pride in the fact that there's ownership, that there's opportunities uh, that are there. But let me ask you to talk a little bit, if you will, about the 20 new innovations in the game that you want to bring to the, that basketball, the remix brings back to those communities. You want to elaborate on those 20 new innovations? Because, I'm, man, I'm, man, 20 new things on the basketball court? I can't wait to see that. Absolutely, absolutely. So um, the most obvious characteristic to Basketball to Remix is playing without a backboard. Now, playing without a backboard is nothing new. The game was invented without the backboard. 1891, two peach baskets and a soccer ball. The game was invented with 13 rules. Side note, the only rule that's still intact is rule 13. All the other rules have been changed, expanded upon since. Um the backboard was was not introduced to help players shoot the ball. The backboard was introduced to prevent fans from interrupting the flow of the game. If you remember, if you can imagine those old gyms that had a balcony around the top, maybe a walking track overlooking the court, they would hang the peach basket at the end of each court. Thus, and you got to think the YMCA was instrumental in the spread of basketball since it was invented in, in the YMCA. So it's critical to understand that we introduced a piece of technology that technically is a- obsolete because we no longer ne- have a need of fans interrupting the flow. And two, you got to think about it. Back in the day, there were no shooting skills. There's no shooting training. They was having a hard time <laughs> getting that ball in that peach basket. So they naturally adapted to an easier approach of making the baskets, and that's how the backboard got incorporated. So I personally think the backboard's obsolete. But you know what's interesting, Mark? I mean, most young basketball players, I mean, really, they don't even use it. They ain't trying to. That's exactly right. (laughs) You know, off the glass is an accident most of the time. Technically, it's obsolete. Um, Culturally, it's obsolete. Athletically, it's obsolete. Do you see? Do you see how high some of these high school kids are jumping? These college kids are coming. Oh, yeah. If we remove the backboard and give them the freedom in the air to do them without worrying about hitting their head, imagine the excitement. Imagine the new dunks. Imagine the new layups. That little euro step and the rolling, the running jumper, the running jumper, mm-hmm. little teardrop Tony Parker. Them guys. Imagine how pretty that would look with no backboard. But so in addition to no backboard, uh, we've changed the, the court demarcation. Okay, so what that means is we have a three-point key. Our key is shorter than the traditional key that's from baseline to the top to the free throw line is approximately 17 feet. It's like, no, it's approximately 19 feet and then the top of the key. So we have a shorter, wider three a key, which any point scored within that key is worth three points. 
Okay. So you get three points for scoring within the key. But we also have goaltending in the key. Oh. Uh, another uh, court demarcation is we have what we call a running substitution box. Since there's no timeouts, but we play with a, a faster, a shorter shot clock, a faster pace, cats are going to get tired. So we substitute very much like hockey. So players are going to substitute in and out of the game as the game is going. Uh, we have an out-of-bounds rule that's very similar to soccer. It's the position of the ball, not the player, that determines if it's out or not. Now, just imagine all of those exciting sideline scramble for the ball plays that get stopped because the ball's in bounds, but the dude's foot touched the line. Imagine that exciting play we didn't get to see because that happened. We're like soccer. The ball has to completely bounce out of bounds, regardless of where the player is, for the play to stop. So all these rules working together, creating a faster, more challenging game of basketball. Um, we have a shorter shot clock. Uh, we offer an additional step. So instead of but two, you do have a shot clock. We do have a shot okay. clock. We offer an additional step. So instead of a two and a half, you get three steps with our game. Um, um, we have what we call a two-point lane. So we have a three-point line, two-point lane, three-point key. Um, again, all of these rules working together just create a faster, more challenging um, a game of basketball. You know, oftentimes people are saying, man, that basket, that'd be great for training. That'd be great for training. And I'm like. I'm one of those guys that yeah, feel that way, yeah. Absolutely. And I think it'd be great for training. But my thing is if you can wrap a game or why is it great for training? Because it's harder than what they with the it's harder than shooting at a basket with a backboard. Okay, then why not just create a harder game? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Give them a greater chance. I don't know any athlete who's a true athlete who who is a, a master of his craft that when they see a new challenge that is just a little bit tougher than what they've done, doesn't embrace the opportunity to try to master it. No, that's not, that's interesting. That, that that's extremely interesting, Mark. And I, and I, you know, I said training only because of the fact that I'm I'm not sure in terms of uh, the NBA if the NBA is willing to adapt uh, to the to the new basket of what you would be using your game. But in the event that they're not, then that needs to be something that I believe if they institute it into that training process, that they would have some better shooters on the court. Not that they have bad shooters, but I, I think it would certainly help them. Well, a couple of things. One. We're not targeting NBA. We're not pursuing NBA. We're not pursuing any sponsorship or promotes from NBA players. Our target market is the competitive recreational market. Uh, we believe that's our best market opportunity if in time it evolves to be a niche pro, pro sport like some of the like an X game, uh, like arena football. Two thumbs up. That's great. Um, yeah, I think I, let me rec- let, let me correct myself. What I meant by that is I meant the, the plight of which a young man uh, finds himself on trying to reach that uh, esteemed platform of being an NBA player. If through those development years, if he's spending more time on your basket, bingo, he perhaps maybe is going to increase his chances Absolutely. of being a three point shooter. And we see ourselves as fitting in that ladder of success someplace in there being a rung or rungs in that ladder that our first era of existence that we are sending some of the best NBA, some of the best players to the NBA that the NBA has ever seen. Well, that, that happened to, I mean, think about the NFL. Kurt Warner is one of the best quarterbacks ever made it into the National Football League, and he came up through arena football, which is a different game than the National Football League. So I, I really don't see any reason why that couldn't be a possibility, particularly 
you know, well, it's been a long time since we had a show time out on the court. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Magic, them, hey, they, it was grab it and go. Grab you know, it, grab, grab it, it and, and go. And, and it, no slowing down. And so I could, I could really see, whereas, don't know if it would replace the D-League, but do you think it would compete with the D-League possibly? Um. I mean, the D League is an extension of the NBA, and you're not cre- you're, you're not competing with the NBA. It, but here's my question: Then let me say this: it, It's a business model where these young men mm-hmm. and possibly young women and young women, not possibly and young women and young women uh, will are going to be identified as semi pro athletes. Am I correct? Let's talk about that. Are these absolutely absolutely? If you look at if you look at the streetball competitions going on across the country, you got ball up that's traveling across the country. You have um, and one has a hundred thousand dollars on the table um, for uh, their tournament at uh, Memorial Weekend. Um, you have the, the different pro am leagues. All of these summer basketball include semi pros, street ball legends, people right out of college, all competing at the highest level they're possible. They're able to compete at. So from that standpoint, that's exactly where we fit in at, and I can definitely see us being a platform where someone can get discovered or someone has developed the skill set that now they've improved in certain areas that they're able to take the next step in development, be it go to Europe or go to the NBA. Well, okay, so let's talk about this then. Well, where do you, as, uh, as, as a business, where do you scout for your talent? Where do you expect to find your talent? Um, initially, starting off, step one is our talent is – is found in the dozens of competitive recreational basketball leagues that's taking place in every major city in the United States year round. So would there be a would there be a draft? How, how do I how if I'm a person who's interested in playing uh, as, as a participant if, if in a basketball person, the remix? So we're we're looking to launch a series of innovative uh, competitive recreational events this fall. Uh, a person would go to bball.com and hit contact and provide us your information. When we start our mailing list to start organizing teams, we'll reach out to people. And B-Ball is B-E-E-B-A-H-L. That's B-E-E-B-A-H-L, B-Ball.com. Our initial wave when we roll out our first league is we're just tapping into the competitive recreational market here uh, in the Phoenix area, and then from there we will build out our network across the country. So is there any uh, age stipulation or, 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 or eligibility stipulation as you're, you're one year out of college or you're 19 years old or anything like that? Not at, not at this point. We have two target markets. So our competitive recreational league is going to be for your 18 and over, people who can sign off on, sign off on themselves. And then we're going to run a developmental clinics simultaneously with our leagues for those under 18, where we'll just um, sponsor and do clinics and, you know, shooting clinics, offensive scoring clinics. And so the 18 and over is going to be the professional league, though? Um, I wouldn't call it professional in this season. Okay. That's going to be our competitive recreational league. We will have prize money available, but we won't, quote, unquote, be a D-league type of team or anything close to what slam ball used to be, nothing like that. Okay. Hey, so you heard it right there from Mark. We got one more segment. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice of America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters, and we'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice of America Sports. 
So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely despise her, especially at 1-2. to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine-horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. You may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Finney's Living Like It Matters. I'm in the studios with my man, the founder and CEO of Basketball, the Remix, Mark Armstrong. Had a little remix going on right there with that music, D. All right, man. I like. I think I like that. I think I like that. But, uh, yeah, we're in what we call now today, I'm going to call it for the first time ever, the fourth quarter of the show. And and since it's the, the fourth quarter, what you like to do is you got to have, hey, listen, you got to have the people on who can close. And so I'm going to let uh, my man Mark just, just talk about exactly uh, what he uh, plans to do in terms of uh, the next steps to be taken uh, as it relates to basketball, the remix. And, and I want you people out there to understand now, this is talking about changing the game, changing communities. And, and, and this, this, is, this is a generation of change. There's a lot of things. The fact that you're listening to us across the world in, in a studio uh, right now is, is is a change, different than when Mark and I were kids. But, Mark, talk yep, to us yep, about yep. what you're going to do in these next steps uh, as you continue down that road of, uh, you know, developing and expanding basketball, the remix. Yeah, Ray, I definitely appreciate that. So uh, I'm revolutionizing basketball, simple as that. Uh, and I'm revolutionizing basketball through evangelizing the benefits of basketball to remix basketball without bas- backboards as a, a new uh, sport with a new business model with a social mission. Um, our next step uh, is raising capital to be able to fund a year's worth of competitive uh, recreational basketball to remix basketball without backboards uh, event and broadcast over 600 games over the Internet. 
That's a change. See, broadcasting over the Internet. So you, you staying right in line with technology. Things are changing, so basketball might as well change as well. Keep going. There, Absolutely. Mark. And we believe that the Internet really empowers us to create a, a new business model that better connects with the communities that our players play, play in, that our sponsors work in, do business in, and that support us. Um, what I'm really excited about is the introduction of what we call the, the B-Ball, that's B-E-B-A-H-L, Remix Series. They're a series of innovative, competitive recreational events. In any city across the country right now, there is a recreational league taking place. Your typical recreational league is eight weeks, two months, an hour a week. What we've done is come up with a model where we're going to run four events over the course of four weeks. We're going to have over 60 games produced within that period of time. We're going to have one grand champion. So if you can imagine uh, coming out on a Saturday afternoon, you had six teams, and each team played each other in a real quick round-robin tournament. And then you seed everybody out of that round-robin tournament, and then you do a single elimination tournament. Then at the conclusion of that, you have your champion for that particular event. And then you repeat that same scenario with the same group of teams three more additional times. Imagine NASCAR or the World Series of Golf where you are um, gaining points as you uh, move through the process. And then our last event will be an event where we have the same scenario um, depending upon the total um, points accrued. You have a grand champion. You have your second place. You have your third place. But also in that last event, we'll have a three-point shooting contest. Three-point shooting contest on a hoop with no backboard should be a delight to watch. And then we'll also have a dunk contest. And these participants will be voted upon by the people who've been watching our broadcasts over the Internet. Um, so that's what we're really excited about. Our objective is to raise capital to do that uh, and to produce um, 10 of these um, series over the course of 12 months. The first, st- first steps of that is promoting the sale of an ebook I wrote entitled Change the Game, Change Communities. Uh, you can purchase it for $5 with 10% going to the United Negro College Fund. The remaining serving as seed capital for us um, to be able to, once we've accrued our our, our goal amount, be able to, to fund um, this effort. Uh, you can go to changethegamechangecommunities.com. Just like it sounds, change the game, change the communities dot com uh, to pick up a copy of the ebook for only five dollars. Uh, and you also can go to basketball to re- Facebook at the uh, forward slash basketball dash duh dash remix and like our remix page to stay in the loop with the things that we'll be doing moving forward. And Mark, what I'm going to do is uh, because you sent that to me last week and and for some reason I may be challenged. I'm not going to say that I'm not. Uh, I I wasn't able to complete my transaction. So I want to complete my $5 transaction because the next time you come, I want to be able to say that I've at least (laughs) read a chapter, if not two, in in that book. So we're going to make that happen right after that. Let me ask you something before we close out here, Mm -hmm. Mark, because we've got a couple of minutes. In your mind, if you had a chance to meet the great Dr. James Naismith, Mm -hmm. what would he say about you in, in Basketball the Remix? He would put his hand on my uh, he put his hand on my shoulder and say thank you for picking up the torch. And that's interesting because you know his understudy you know felt that basketball should be changed a little bit and I think it was his understudy was the one that was that decided to put a little time out in the game and and start a little coaching you know and and obviously there was a difference of opinion the way Dr. Naismith saw the game play and the way his understudy saw the game play. Yeah, I like to, uh, you know, for those for those that have a uh, 
for 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 those that have a, uh, a a biblical orientation, you know Abraham, Isaac, and Ishmael. I like to think that Dr. James Naismith has his Isaac and Ishmael as well. Dr. James Naismith produced at least two Hall of Fame coaches. Um, the first being uh, Forrest Poe Allen, who's the third coach at the University of Kansas, played under Dr. James Naismith when Dr. James Smith coached at Kansas. Dr. Naismith um, um, declared or promoted that basketball should be played, not coached. Poe Allen said that basketball should be coached and not played. And it's interesting that uh, Poe Allen, Poe Allen Fieldhouse in Kansas, in University of Kansas, is considered the father of basketball coaching. And when you look at his lineage, you look at his coaching tree, wow, some big Hall of Fame names. But there's another gentleman, Hall of Fame coach, an African-American who attended University of Kansas but couldn't play on the team because he was black. His name was John B. McClendon. John B. McClendon, after graduation, secured his first coaching coaching job, and he went about developing a system of play that incorporated Dr. James Smith or the Naismith philosophy that basketball is a game that's played with two co- two baskets, not one, two baskets, full court, baseline to baseline as fast as possible. John B. McClendon went on to develop the very first fast break system with the objective to shoot the ball under eight seconds. That's very relevant for me after playing for Coach Paul Westhead, the guru of run at Loyola Marymount University, um, if I can toot my own horn for a moment. Um, I've started, I started more games than anybody in Loyola Marymount's history, um, and my role was to take the ball out. <laughs> that was my role to take the ball. But the point is this. And that's, hey, that's an important role. Sometimes it is. You it's critical. That's right. A lot of people it's, don't understand it. It's that, a critical man. role. <laughs> sure Rebound is. and take the ball out. Right. But what we find is this. We find modern day, the modern day basketball institutions that control the game, their approach is reflected of the Forest Poe Allen. And we have actually seen scoring and collegiate basketball go down by as much as 20 points from where it was 20 years ago. The reverse is the black basketball. Where was the lineage of black basketball? You had the black basketball players start playing at the parks. They're running up and down. They're playing the playground basketball. Kind of gets incorporated into some of the fast break ball. Then you had the black basketball incorporated in your Harlem Globetrotters, your Harlem Wrens, all of these pre-NBA teams. They are running up and down the court, running up and down the court. But with the death of black professional basketball, black basketball lived on the playgrounds of the cities. That's why the ABA was so popular because it embraced the the playground style, and that's what's been was significant in the resurgence in the NBA in Showtime. Well, I, I'll tell you what, I, I, I just love basketball. I'm a frustrated basketball player. I don't know why Mark <laughs> found himself somewhat appalled and in disbelief yesterday when I told him that, you know, I could put it up and knock it down. I didn't say I could throw it down. I could put it up and, and knock it down. But, uh, man, I love basketball. I think it's one of the greatest games that ever existed. You know, I want those people out there that are listening to this show uh, to understand that that sports is a positive thing. It's not a negative thing. And and just because uh, one man has fought himself, found himself in trouble with the law, uh, don't don't just broad breast the entire sports industry and think that it's it's a bad thing for uh, a lot of people out there who aspire to one day uh, be like these guys on courts, fields, and 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 ice rinks inside those ice rinks and not necessarily what they're doing in their lives because we don't know what they're doing off those courts and, uh, you know, off those fields. But, Mark, it's been a great show, man. I certainly appreciate it. I appreciate the education. 
uh, that you've brought to us. And certainly, it, don't worry about change. Change is good sometimes, folks. So just understand when we talk about basketball, the remix, we're talking about changing the game and changing the community. And that's a good thing because it's going to bring a lot of opportunities and a lot of good things back to some deprived uh, neighborhoods. And you're going to see some exciting basketball, some better shooters. <laughs> Across the board and, and they, positions. And they're going to be throwing it down, believe me. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. Got my man Mark Armstrong in with me again. Basketball, the remix. I'll tell you what, maybe not next week, but Mark will be back. So make sure you do. And in the meantime, I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.